Lord, just as we lifted up your name in worship, Lord, as we have tuned into your Holy Spirit who is here and very real and very present among us, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we just continue to be focused in on you right now. Lord, there is no good reason for you to plead our cause, but as we have, as we have just saying, Lord, you do, you plead our cause, and you are the one that intercedes, you're the one that comes between. God, you did that through your son, Jesus Christ, and Lord, I just, I can't grasp it. I don't understand it. Your grace truly is amazing. I don't deserve the strength that you give me. I don't deserve the grace that you pour out. Lord, but you do it anyway. So Lord, we sing praises to you in honor of that. It's the overflow of our thankfulness in our hearts for what you have done. Lord, as we look at your word now, I pray that you would do surgery on our hearts. God, you would show us what we need to understand about you. God, you would show us, Lord, how we're to reach other people because of you. Lord, I just pray that you do a great work now. As we open your word, we look at what you have to say to us. God, I pray that you are glorified now. God, as our lives are changed forever by the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit working through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we have been in a series called Lost Lately, and we talked about the parable of the lost sheep, we talked about the parable of the lost coin, we talked about the parable of the lost son, or some people call it the prodigal son, and it's important to recognize who Jesus was talking to when he was talking, when he was sharing these parables, he was sharing these stories. It's important for us to recognize who Jesus was talking to, and Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and what we said at the end of last week is that Jesus was given the Pharisees, who were basically the religious jerks of the day, he was giving them an opportunity to understand what a right relationship with God looks like. I mean, he was, I mean, he was telling the, the, these parables to the Pharisees, and if you think about why would Jesus do that, it couldn't be for any other reason besides the fact that he was giving them the same invitation that he was giving everybody else. Now, they were against God in the fact that they were against Jesus. They thought that they were for God, but it turns out that they were against God because they didn't have the right heart. They didn't understand things the right way. They thought it was all about their actions and the words that they said and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus came for the sole purpose of saying it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart and the condition of the heart and where you are and and where your heart is. And today, we're actually going to continue that theme, but Jesus is talking to a different group of people now. He's not talking to the Pharisees in this particular passage we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 13. He's actually talking to his followers, some devout followers, and, and some people that basically what was going to happen is Jesus was going to have to leave this earth. We all know that Jesus, he was crucified, he was dead and buried. He rose again on the third day, spent some time with his followers for a while, and then ascended to the right hand of the Father. We know that, right? Well, there had to be some people that continued his message. There had to be some people that that would carry this message on. And the only way to do that is for them to share the good news of the kingdom with other people. I don't know if you recognize that or not, but that is the same calling that we have on our lives. That we are supposed to share the good news of the kingdom because we love Jesus and we want to be like Jesus. Don't we have to share Jesus' message with the rest of the world? Don't we have to do that? Isn't that what God has called us to when he says that we're supposed to go and make disciples? 
disciples, other followers, other people that follow the teachings of Jesus. If we want to be Christ-like, don't we have to carry Christ's message forward? You know what's so sad is that this is what is lacking in most Christians' lives. And I'm like, I think it's one of the most integral parts of Christians' lives. But it is also admittedly the most difficult part of a Christian's life. And that is to share the Gospels, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody else. You know why? Because it is awkward. Am I right? It's awkward. God has given me, fortunately for me, God has given me the spiritual gift of awkwardness. And I am so incredibly thankful. And there are some people that really just cracked a big old grin right now because they know what I'm talking about. And they know that I am extremely awkward. And, and, and like, I don't know why God has, has given me that ability to be awkward. I think it's because everything about the gospel is awkward. Everything that is about engaging somebody in a conversation about Jesus is awkward, admittedly. But I, 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 I'm not afraid of awkward. I embrace awkward. I take awkward to the next level. Like, if you've ever been in a small group with me, I, I did the, uh, the, uh, the, the teenage girl small group one time, like the older teenage girls. And I mean, they were, we were talking about it just a minute ago. They were pouring sweat when they were sitting there in my small group. They were like, oh, this is so intense. They would be like, you know what Kenny does? Instead of just like, like filling up the, the time with a lot of words, he'll just sit there in silence and stare at you. He'll wait on you to speak. That is so awkward. Exactly. Yes. Yes, it is. It's supposed to be that way. People are afraid of, of, of the silence, right? Like silence because it's so awkward. I just have to fill it up with some words. I'll just say a bunch of stuff and surely to goodness, if I say enough stuff, it won't be awkward, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about, man. There's some of you guys that are laughing, uh, particularly the guys because you know I'm talking about your wife. But anyway, so like we just fill up the awkward with words. Let me tell you something. You don't have to do that. You can just sit silently sometimes, and you can, especially when it's in the process of sharing the gospel with somebody, because there's something that needs to happen in the process of sharing the truth, of sharing the, the good news of the gospel with somebody. There's something that needs to happen, and that is that, number one, you need to tune into the Holy Spirit of God. And sometimes you don't need to say anything in order to be able to do that. There are sometimes in here, I will be extremely awkward and be really quiet. And you guys are like, what is he doing? He's the preacher. He's supposed to be talking a whole lot and spilling up all the, the empty space with some words. As I am preaching to you, I can assure you that I am listening to the Holy Spirit of God speaking to me. And there are some times where God literally says to me in my ears, shut up. Shut up. Just listen for just a second. So I will. I'll just sit there, and you'll see. I do it a lot like this. And the Holy Spirit is not right over there, but for whatever reason, I just look right over there. Uh, this is me pulling back the curtain a little bit, and let me show you. This is how weird and crazy I am. But I will. I will just stop in the middle sometimes and just go, I need to listen to God, and God has told me to shut up, so I do. Because I... <laughs> I promise you, I am way more interested in what God has to say than what I have to say, and I am way more interested in listening to him than I am listening to me. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tune into him, and I don't care if it's awkward. I promise you I don't care. I love y'all. Don't get me wrong. I love y'all to death, but I love him more. I really do. And I, I'm, I do what I do in obedience to him because he's called me to do it, and I, I'm just going to tune into him sometimes, and I apologize if it's awkward. 
But you you got to, number one, tune into the Holy Spirit of God. But also, there's another thing that happens in the midst of the awkward. The silence is that God's speaking to them, too. That God's convicting their heart over something you've said or, or something that, 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 that you've shared with them. And, and God's at work. And sometimes you don't need to say anything. There really is a time when you don't need to say anything. And I was, the, the girl shared with me, man, that, that when, when I did their small group, it's like, we, we could tell that God was speaking. God was talking to us. And, and not to say he doesn't any other time. I'm just saying that, that particular time they, they came and said, I know that it, it was awkward and all, but, but God was really speaking through you, so I hope you know that. And I was flattered to hear that. I said, it ain't got nothing to do with me. But I'm not afraid of the awkward. I'm not afraid of the silence. I, 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 I don't know what happened. I don't know where I lost that, that bone in my body that's afraid of awkward, but I'm thankful that that God has given me the spiritual gift of awkwardness. I, I'm so incredibly grateful for it. Because I, I'm telling you, man, I, I'm telling you, you are going to encounter awkward times as you share the gospel with people, as you share the good news. And there are going to be times when people don't respond to the gospel the way that you think they should. I mean, you step out on a limb, and, and it's like we have this concept in our mind that if we step out on a limb and, and we share the gospel, we tell somebody the good news of the kingdom that they're going to respond in a positive way to that message, right? That they're going to, they're going to respond to that in a, in a positive way. That's more than likely not the case, actually. It's going to seem like to you that the odds are stacked against you because there are going to be more people that respond negatively to your sharing the gospel than people that respond positively to you sharing the gospel with them. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling his followers right here in Matthew chapter 13. He's saying... There is going to be a lot of people that reject the truth of what you share with them. That should not keep you from sharing with them. You see, I spent a lot of time in high school ministry and college ministry, and I can't tell you the, the, the amount of times that I, I've poured my heart out sharing the gospel with people, telling them the truth of God's word, telling them that Jesus loves them, he wants a relationship with them, and, and, and so many of them, even some of them respond positively initially, but they're, they're, they're not in church. They're not connected with Jesus Christ in any way right now. They're not praying. They have no interest in God's word. And, and it would seem like, man, wouldn't you give up? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you just say, enough's enough? Man, I've tried too many times. It, there's only like a handful that actually responded and are living a life that, that where they take up their cross and follow Jesus. Don't you get burnt out from trying so hard but getting so few results? And Jesus has to address this specifically with his followers, and he is addressing it with us. This is the same message that Jesus brought, and he's telling his followers, you have got to take the same message forward. You've got to continue doing it, even though the results aren't going to be what you think they should be. And that's, that's the reality of the gospel. That's the reality of the gospel, because you want to give up. You want to quit. You want to say no. You want to say enough's enough. I've tried too hard. I'm done with this. It didn't work out the way I wanted to. Jesus says that's not the way. We got the wrong perspective on what it means when we're supposed to make followers of Jesus. And he's, he's, telling, his, he's telling his followers, man, it's going to be tough. It really is. And here Jesus, we see in Matthew chapter 13, he, he's got his followers by a lake and he's talking to them. He says, later that same day, Jesus left his house and sat beside the lake. A, crowd, a large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. He sat there and taught his people as he stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form 
of parables such as this one. Jesus told a lot of stories in parables. Um, I, I, the reason I think he did that is, is because, number one, we remember stories pretty well, right? We just do. Like, that's the way we're wired. We remember a good story. Like, I can tell you a story about something I did that was stupid 20 years ago, and you'll remember that story for six months. I, and you'll come back, you remember that thing you told us about you did, and you said that from the pulpit, and everybody's like, oh, I can't believe he did that. You remember when you said that? And I'll be like, yeah, I remember that. I'll say, do you remember the message from that day? And like, no, I don't got a clue what you said about Jesus, but I remember that story. And that was a really good story, and it stuck with me. And I go, we remember stories better. And that's the reason that Jesus taught in stories. But he also taught in stories for a different reason, and that was so that the people that were tuned in the people that were really listening with their heart, not just with their ears, that, that they would be able to discern what Jesus was saying. And if they had questions, they would even come to him and ask him more questions because they were inquisitive. They wouldn't go, well, I didn't get that story. I didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. I'm just going to head on out. No, they would say, Jesus, I, I was starting to, to pick up on what you were putting down there, and I was starting to, to get the vibe, right? But, but tell me more about this. I want to learn a little bit more. And only those that are truly devoted followers of Jesus will dig a little deeper and see what Jesus is really saying. And here we got Jesus talking to his followers, and he tells them another parable. He says, listen. If you're, if you're wondering if, if God wants you to listen to his word today, if he's wanting you to tune in and stop thinking about what you're going to have for lunch today, it says in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in, in it's actually in the middle of, of verse 3, he says, listen. So if you're wondering if Jesus is speaking to you today, it's in red letters, so it means that Jesus is speaking literally to here. And he says, listen, listen. Does Jesus want to speak to me today? Listen. Jesus is talking directly to you. These are not my words. These are the words of the King of Kings. And he says, listen, listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. He scattered, as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil and underlying the rock, with underlying rock. These seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns and grew up and, that grew up and choked out their tender plants. Still other seeds fell in the fertile soil, and they, were, they produced a crop that was 30 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone who with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? They're, they're wanting to know, Jesus, why do you use these parables? I think this so that they would be tuned in followers of Christ and would actually listen to what he was saying, but I also think that he would, he would conjure up images in their mind. I believe that part of the reason that Jesus spoke in stories, and he, here he is talking about a farmer sowing seed, I believe that, you know, the next time you're, you're, you're at a strawberry patch and, and, and you're harvesting some strawberries, which they got placed down in Mumford. It's really good. We go there all the time. But anyway, so that, I mean, when, when, when you see plants on the side of the road, if you were driving through Iowa, you would see a lot of them. Trust me. Uh, they, 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 when people would see that, they would connect with it and be like, well, that's what Jesus talked about. I remember Jesus talking about that. And man, that was, I remember that story that he told about somebody planting some seed. And Jesus worked this way. He was always trying to connect things in our lives with his truth so that we would remember it. So that the Holy Spirit of God would, would, would 
conjure up these, these things in our mind and go, I, Jesus said he talked about this. What did he say? What did he say? So Jesus connected his stories with the things around us, and he also did it so people that were tuned in could really listen to him. He says, listen to what Jesus says when he replies. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use the parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. And then he goes on to quote Isaiah and saying basically this. He said, their ears are closed off. They're, they're not hearing what I'm saying. You have people that come into church every Sunday, they're like this. They're focused on anything and everything else but, but the truth of God. They're... they're, they're I, and I, to be honest with you, I don't know what you're focused on sometimes. I mean, like, I get distracted too, and I get that. But that's why the heart is so important, and that's why we're supposed to come in here with a right heart, a heart that is open to what God has to say to us, a heart that is expectant that God will speak to us, and, and God's going to change us through his word. And, and I think that, that the reason these people couldn't hear is because their hearts weren't right. Their, their, their hearts weren't fixed on truth. They were fixed on what, what they wanted to hear. They, they were fixed on something else, something else that was distracting them. Or they, they, their hearts were somewhere else. And Jesus is like, they listen, but they don't hear. There's a big difference between listening and hearing. I had this struggle with my daughter when she was little, you know. Big difference between listening and hearing, ain't there? I, I, I should have said, you don't listen. I should have said, you don't hear. You know what I mean? I should have said that. But their hearts weren't right. They weren't in the right place to understand. And they certainly weren't inquisitive because they would never go back and ask, well, I need more understanding. Only those that had their hearts in the right place would ask and go back even, even to Jesus and go, man, I need, I need to understand this a little deeper. Explain it to me. And, and he says their hearts are closed off. Their hearts are closed off. Jesus, once again, bringing everything back to the heart. And he's going to do that as he talks about this parable. And we're going to skip down to verse 18. Because his, his, his disciples have come back and they've asked for more information. He says, now listen to the explanation of the parable of the farmer planting seeds. The seed fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Now, I told you a minute ago, there's a great place down in in Mumford that has strawberries and we go and we we pick strawberries sometime and we uh, you may notice that, that when you go to, to harvest any kind of crops there's, there's, there's a path beside whatever you're trying to harvest and, and the reason that is so you could walk down there and get it right like this is the same thing in Jesus' day as it is in today that unless it's got some sort of mechanical harvesting capabilities or whatever they, there's a path there so you can walk down through there and get your crop right well, Jesus is saying that there's, there, there's, there's a hard path here. There, there, there's, there's a path that's pressed down. I mean, it's like concrete. It's, it's packed down so tightly. And what happens when seed falls down on concrete? It don't do very much, does it? Now, for whatever reason, grass tries to grow in my concrete at home, but, but typically grass, I mean, seed doesn't do so well on concrete, right? And, and here's what Jesus is saying. He's like, he's like their hearts are so hardened that the seed is, is not planted. It's just sitting there on hard concrete 
dry ground that's been packed down. So many people have walked across. It's been packed down, and it's tight. Well, what packs it down? Because Jesus is talking about the heart here. He's talking about what's going on, and when we scatter seed, what happens? And it's all about the heart. And he says the heart is so hardened, it can't respond to it. They're so calloused towards righteousness. They're so callous towards the right thing that, that all they want is themselves and what they want and, and, and the passions that, of their flesh. And sin has hardened their hearts to the point where they, they just don't respond to it. And there's a passage in Ezekiel that I'm going to read to you from Ezekiel chapter 11 that I want to share with you right here. You've heard this passage before, but I want to read it to you because it fits very, very closely with what we're talking about, the hard, packed-down soil where the seed doesn't penetrate, it just sits up on top. And Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19 says this. It says, And I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. Now your version may say, I'm going to take away their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. One that is responsive to truth. There are some people that you are going to encounter, and maybe even some people in this room right here, that they are so hardened and so calloused towards truth that the seed that is, that is sown will just sit up on top, and it won't do anything. And what happens? The birds come, and they take it away. The evil one comes and takes it away. It's so easy to take it away because it hasn't penetrated anything. You can walk right out those doors, and the truth that is penetrated, that, that, that is just sitting there, that's been put out there for you, it hasn't penetrated anything. It'll just sit there, and you walk out the doors, and, and, and the evil one will take it right away. It's like birds coming and just picking up the seed and taking it away. Because the heart's so hard and so callous. I've seen people, I've seen people do this so many times. Man, you can just see it on their, uh, on, on their face. Now, let me say this. <laughs> I'm not knocking you if you have your arms crossed right now. But a lot of people that, that, that aren't responsive to the gospel have that hardened heart. They're going to sit there just like this. They're going to, it's almost like you can see them protecting their heart. You know what I mean? You ain't getting in there. Uh-uh. I, I got it protected. You, you ain't, ain't nothing going to penetrate these arms. You know the body language says a lot, right? And, and look, you may just be resting your arms that way. It's okay. I'm not knocking you for having your arms crossed. What I am saying, though, is this. Um, I am very conscious, especially when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, very conscious about how, what my body language says. And you will never, ever see me talk to somebody about Jesus with my arms crossed. I, you, you got people around you that, that have been around me for years, and I, I promise you, I, I know that I, I now I will, because I'm the king of awkward, I'll do, I'll do like Forrest Gump stance or something, you know what I mean? Like, why is he standing like Peter Pan? I, I don't know. Uh, it's because I, I, won't, I won't cross my arms. Now, you may notice up here, I put my hands in my pockets a lot. I'm not sure what that's all about. I'll do that sometimes. But, but I, I, I don't cross my arms. Because I want them to know that, that I'm receptive to whatever they're saying to me if, if I expect them to be receptive to what I'm saying to them, right? And you will see people, they're so hardened, man. They're just sitting there and all clenched up like this, all tight. I'm not receiving what, you, what, you, what you're given. I'm not, I'm not, that's not for me. That's not for me. And Jesus says, man, you're going to encounter people like this. It's not supposed to discourage you from sharing the gospel with other people just because you encounter a hard-hearted person. It's not supposed to, to keep you from, from scattering seed just because some of it's going to fall on the, the hard path. You're supposed to keep scattering seed. 
And the seed, what is the seed itself? What is the seed? It's the truth of God. It's the truth of God and his kingdom. That's what it is. Now let me ask you this. Who in here can manufacture a seed? Anybody? You make a seed? You can't make a seed. I'm glad nobody raised their hand. I was going to be like, oh no, somebody raised their hand. You can't make a seed, can you? You know why? Because God made the seed. God makes all the seeds, in case you're wondering. And that's the same thing with the truth. The, 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 the truth is, is God's word. It's what God said. It's not what you said. Now, there are some people that try to manufacture their own truth. There are some people that try to manufacture truth because it sounds good, but that ain't coming from God. God's truth comes from God just like the seed comes from God because that is the truth of God's kingdom. And, 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 and he just says, you take my truth that, that, that's from me and you take that and you scatter that seed. And you, worry, you don't worry about what happens with it. You just go and you scatter seed. Now, how can I do that? Well, there's two ways. How, how can I scatter seed? Well, when you talk to somebody about Jesus, you can share your testimony with them. Your testimony. What is my testimony? Well, when you get up in front of a jury and you have to testify, what are you telling them? You're telling them, you're giving your testimony, right? You're telling them, the facts as you know them. What has happened according to what you have seen, right? That's called a testimony. Same thing in your life. If Jesus Christ has been at work in your life and God is changing and molding and shaping you and doing things in your life to shake everything up and turn it upside down and you no longer desire the things of this world but you desire the things of God, then you share that. That's called a testimony. Now, if you don't have a testimony, that means you're not a Christian, you're not a Christian. If you don't have a testimony, you're not a Christian. If you can't see the evidence of God doing things in your life and, and things that have come from your life as a result of what God has done, you're not a Christian. So, you share your testimony. Let me, let me tell you, man. Um, I was doing my own thing. I cared about me and me only. Start going to church one day, and this crazy guy, man, he starts yelling at me about, about Jesus and telling me some truth that I, you know what, I, I, I thought I knew truth, but it turns out all the truth that I thought I knew was just wrong. And God just, he, he penetrated my heart with it. He, he did something with it. It wrecked my life, and now I don't even think the same way. I don't act the same way. Things I used to care about, I don't care about anymore. And God's just wrecked my life, but it's been the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to me. And, 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 and now, because my hopes and my dreams are, are not in the things of this world, they're in the things to come and, and the, death, the life to come after I die, and everything's different for me now. That's called a testimony. That's called a testimony. If you don't have one of those, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. You say, well, I don't, I don't know enough about God's word to be able to share the truth of God with somebody. I've got a very complicated answer to how you're supposed to fix that situation. If you don't know enough about God's word in order to be able to tell people what God has said and the truth of his word, read it. Read it. Oh, Kenny, that's a very complicated answer. 
read it. God has given you all that you need to know for this life and the life to come. He's given you more than you can digest in all of eternity, and you can carry it around in the palm of your hand. You, you, you can find answers to questions you didn't even know you had in here. You're like, how, how am I supposed to tell people the truth of God's word? I don't know what it says. Read it. Read it. And God will bring things to your mind that you never thought that you even knew. You're like, remember what you read yesterday? And we use this. You start talking, and then you start listening, and I'll tell you what to say. Read it. Read it. Read it. Some people, the, the, he says, he says they, they, read, they, they hear it, but they don't understand. The, the soil is packed down so hard, their, their, their heart is like stone, and you can't penetrate it, but it's not supposed to discourage us from, from sowing seed. And he says, man, you're going to encounter these people, and the evil one's just going to come and take away the seed, just like a bird comes and steals away the seed. That's what's going to happen. He says, Verse 20 says this, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. This happens to be my favorite one to talk about, by the way. Uh, but since they don't have deep roots, they won't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. This is what I like to call the firework Christian. They have a big, flashy, emotional response to the gospel Boom, man, there's, there's, a, there's a loud noise and there's, there's sparkle and it's just it's beautiful, right? And then 30 seconds later, it's gone. It's like, man, it was awesome. And now it doesn't exist. And th th you see this, man. Somebody has a big emotional response to the gospel and like, man, Kenny, man, God has just wrecked my life. I am, I am ready. Give me the microphone. I'm ready to preach. I'm going to baptize everybody on Sunday. I'm ready, man. I just, I'm, let me go. Unchain me. I'm going I'm to teach every service in the kids' department. I'm going to teach every small group. I'm ready, man. Sign me up. And, man, you see him, you're like, wow. That dude got saved, son. Like, he done, he done got turned upside down. You know what I'm talking about? Like that dude, Yeah. And you look at his spiritual growth and like, you look at everybody else and we're like this high and this dude done shot up like, like a corn stalk. He's like up here. And you're like, wow, that is amazing. He's, he's ready to preach the gospel. He's, ready, he's, he's out on street corners with a bullhorn shouting at people. You know what I mean? Like, like that dude. You know what I say to him? I say, man, that is awesome that God has called you to preach the word. And I, I baptize people like this here at Simple Church. Man, I'm, I'm so ecstatic that God has wrecked your life and you are ready to do whatever it takes to bring this good news to the world. I am ecstatic about that. I tell you what, you just hang around and you, you come on Sundays and Wednesdays for the next six months and we'll talk to you about what it, what it means to be a preacher of the gospel. Man, just, just come to small groups and be consistent in that and come on Sundays and Wednesdays and man, we'll, we'll talk about getting you that up there on the stage with a microphone so you can tell people the good news of Jesus. That's all you got to do, man. Just about six months. Just hang in there for a little bit. About six weeks later, you're like, man, what was that dude's name again? I remember there was a guy that came. He said, he, man, he was, he's ready to put a microphone on. Where did he go? I saw him. I remember he got baptized. I remember he was on fire, but I don't know where he's at. That's what Jesus is talking about. He says, you'll, you'll encounter these firework Christians. These people, man, it looks like they are growing 
like crazy. But it turns out they don't have very deep roots at all. Just a big, flashy, emotional response, but no deep roots at all. You know, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that you know how you can tell a miracle of God happens? Well, it don't go away. It don't go away. You'll see these big healing services or whatever, somebody throw down their crutches, kick their wheelchair out of the way, and they'll go running across the stage, and they're dancing and singing and all this kind of stuff. And I say, you know what I say to that? And I praise God. If God has done a miracle there, praise God. I'm so excited that God has healed that person. I said, but I'll tell you how you will know. In six months, you'll see if they're in a wheelchair or on crutches. Because if it's of God, it won't go away. It won't disappear. It won't fade. It won't be like, oh, it was here for a little while, and now it's not anymore. A miracle of God. You'll be able to tell when that happens because it will sustain. It will last. It ain't fireworks. It'll last. This is it's hard stuff, isn't it? Because you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know people you've seen like this. There may be some of you sitting in here. Let me tell you something. I didn't say this. Jesus said it. So if you're going to get mad at somebody, get mad at him. It's his truth. I just give it to you. It's, it's, like, it's like getting mad at the mailman for bringing your credit card bill. You know what I mean? Like, he just delivered the message. Firework Christian. There. And, and what happened? What happened? The, the wind came. The hot, scorching sun came. Persecution, difficulties, troubles, trials. Well, that, that's, that's where people's true colors show, isn't it? You, you put a little heat on them, a little pressure on them. You see what they're made out of. You see, if it's, you see if it's real or not. You see if it's God or if it's just them. And, and sure enough, man, this, this particular plant has just withered away, shriveled up, it's, it's gone, it's dead. It was there for a little while, man. It looked strong and full of life, but it was really just dead because it had no roots. It had no roots. Verse 22 says this, The seed that fell among the thorns, the seed that fell... Among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The worries of life, the wealth. You see this, too. As people supposedly put faith in Christ, you see, you see what happens a lot of times. They go... Man, I love Jesus, and I am all about Jesus, and I want to be at, be at church, and I want to learn more about God's Word, and, and I want to be in small groups, and, and, and I, I, I want to help out in the kids' department. I want to do all that so long as I can do travel softball at the same time. As long as it doesn't interfere with my softball schedule or as long as it doesn't interfere with all that other stuff because, uh, you know, Jesus has prominence in my life, and he's number one, and he's what matters most, but, but uh, I, have, I have travel ball, and that... Uh, that kind of interferes sometimes when we get into church. Or this, or my family has big get-togethers on Sunday, so I can't really be there because they have their get-togethers at, at a time we normally have church. Fill in the blank. You know what I'm talking about. Any number of things that, if Jesus is number one in your life, it doesn't, ma- it doesn't mean you're not going to have weeds that pop up every once in a while. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying when, you, when you're trying to maintain this balance of, of of feeding all the other weeds and still trying to feed 
this, this one plant that's trying to grow, Try, trying, to, trying to have this balance of, of, yeah, Jesus means everything, but not quite everything. And, and what do you see after a while? It don't last. It don't last. The thorns and the weeds that grow up all around it, and, and eventually what happens? Weeds choke out the healthy plant, don't they? They, they choke out the healthy plant. It, let, let me say this. Some people use their kids this way. Some people, because they say that Jesus Christ is number one in their life, but really, if you look at the, the actions of their life, their kids are really number one in their life. Sometimes their kids will choke out the gospel and, and the growth that, that God is, is trying to work out in their life. Children are a gift from God. It says that in God's word, but I'm telling you, the most important thing in your life is not your children. It's Jesus Christ. And if you let this other stuff crop up around you, it's going to choke out your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not going to survive. The plant's going to die. Try, trying to maintain this balance. Oh, man, I need a car and a house and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, you need those things to survive. But God's the one that, that provides those. God's the one that sustains you and takes care of you. You focus on him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and, all, and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You, you seek God first. If, he's, if he truly wants you to have those things, then, then he's going to provide them for you. Because there, be, there may be that if, if you're following Jesus Christ, he may not want you to have a car. He may want you to walk. He may not want you to have a house. Because all you do in that house is, is worry about the house and you don't worry about him. I, I'm telling you, if Jesus Christ is number one in your life, all that other stuff will look like garbage. It'll look like rubbish. It's just stuff that, that happens to be around me in life. It's not the thing that has prominence in my life. And you see, you see all this other stuff growing up. Like, man, Jesus, he's all, I'm all about Jesus. And it chokes out the plant. And Jesus says, you're going to encounter those people too. Jesus, man, give us a break. Isn't there any good news? I thought you brought good news to us. And this, this is a struggle. It looks like the odds are stacked against us. It looks like, man, if I'm playing the odds, if I'm a Vegas guy, I'm not going to put, put money on the gospel because, because that's, that's not going to get anywhere. There's so few people that are going to respond to it. Man, you got weeds and rocky soil. You got packed down soil. Like, man, it doesn't look good, Jesus. You're telling us to go out there with the odds stacked against us and do this thing that you called us to do? Are you kidding me? And Jesus gives us a bit of good news here at the end. He's trying to encourage his followers. The whole reason he, is, he has shown people this, number one, is to try to help people see that they may be one of the ones that's been choked out by the weeds, one of the ones that doesn't have very deep roots, or one of the ones that's sitting there on the hard-packed soil. It all depends on the condition of the heart, just like the people listening to what Jesus was telling. It all depends on the condition of the heart. And here we see, we see this. Jesus gives us a, good, a bit of good news. He says, the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as they've been planted. This is what Jesus says. He says, it looks like that you aren't doing any good. It looks, it looks like that, that by spread, spreading seed, casting seed, you're not really impacting that many. But this is what Jesus says. You know, in the course of my years in ministry, of thousands probably of students that I, I preached to, shared the gospel with, you know, poured my heart out to them. 
And really, if you look at the number that are, that are really following Jesus right now, it's a handful. It really is. The people that, that have truly taken up their cross, and day by day, they're really trying to live a life like Jesus. There's only a handful of them. But Jesus says, Jesus says this. He said, those few are going to produce a harvest of 30 or 60 or 100 times a normal harvest. You see, a normal harvest would be like seven and a half fold. A normal harvest, if it was really good, would be like tenfold. He says it starts out with three times as much as a really good harvest. It starts out with 30 times. Now, not everybody's going to be used in the same capacity. I want you to understand that. God has a specific plan and purpose in, in your life and the people around you for him to, to use you to impact people for the gospel. And you may not see thousands of people saved as a result of you sharing the gospel. But you start out with three times as much as a good harvest. And, and, and you follow in obedience to God, you, you might get even twice as much as that and have 60-fold. Or, or, or maybe... Just maybe we got a Francis Chan or a David Platt sitting in here and it's, it's a hundredfold. That's a hundredfold. But we continue to scatter seed. We, we continue to do what Jesus has called us to do, which is to carry his message, his word, his truth to the entire world and not be discouraged. And not be discouraged. I needed this passage just as much as anybody. Because, man, I'll stand up here and I'll preach and I'll see people's faces and, I, and I'm just like loving life because I see people coming to faith in God and then I, I'll see people that, that have been baptized and I never see them again. And, and Jesus says, you know what? He says, it's my truth and it's my responsibility and, and what it has to do with, the reason they're not responsive is because of the condition of their heart. It's not fertile soil. Can you do something about somebody's heart? Can, can, you, can you change somebody's heart? Can you make them have a different heart? No. You can't. You can't. So why then, when somebody doesn't respond positively to what you're saying about the truth of Jesus, why is it you take responsibility for it and say, well, they rejected me? No, they didn't reject you. They rejected truth, and truth comes from God and God alone. Are you willing, when you, when you committed yourself to being a Christ follower, are you willing to take on the awkward and share the good news of the gospel with somebody else? Are you willing to put yourself aside and how you feel in order that the message of Jesus Christ might be go, going out from this place into all of the world? Do you have a testimony? Is there, is there things that you can point to and say, this is what God is doing in my life. This is how God has transformed me and made me a new creation. Do you read God's word and do you care about what he says? Or are you going to him, are you going back to him to ask him for more questions? Are you going back to him saying, Lord Jesus, I know that you said this, but I need to find out more. Show me more. Are you a Christ follower? Do you love Jesus? Is he the most prominent thing in your life? Is it lasting? Is it lasting? You see evidence of what God's doing in your life? And are you so committed to telling other people uh, about what Jesus can do in their life that, that you don't care what anybody else thinks? This is what it means to be a Christ follower according to this book that I'm reading from. 
Is that you? Is that you? Let's pray. Father, Lord, this has not been an easy message to preach. It's very difficult, God, sometimes to bring the truth because it's a two-edged sword. And Lord, it cuts deeply. And sometimes, Lord, we, we don't like to receive the truth. Lord, but it's your truth. And as Christ followers, all we can do is respond to your truth. So, Lord, if there's somebody here today that they don't have a relationship with you and you've revealed that to them, God, maybe, maybe through your word you've shown them that, that, that they're the hard, compact soil that's like a rock that can't be penetrated. And maybe you've tilled their heart today and maybe you've opened their eyes to truth and maybe that seed has been planted. I pray that they would respond to you. God, or maybe there's a firework Christian in here that, that thinks they're a Christ follower, but in reality it was just one little emotional response. It was not a change that happened for their whole life. Lord, or maybe there's somebody here that's struggling with the weeds that are cropping up all around them. They, they can feel their lives being choked out, and they're on the very verge of surrendering to all of those other things. God, because you don't have prominence in their life. And Lord, I just pray, God, I just pray that you do a work right now in their lives. Lord, that they might be able to pluck those weeds from their life, to solely focus on you, to trust in you. God, I pray, God, if there's somebody here whose soul needs to be rescued, I pray that you would rescue them today. Lord, that you would make them a new creation, that you would give them a testimony that they can take out from this place and go into the world and share the good news of you with the whole world. Maybe there's somebody here and you've convicted them that they don't read your word. The, the truth is right here in our hands and we neglect it. Lord, I pray that you continue to convict their hearts, not just today. I pray that they would repent, which means just to turn away from their ways and turn towards you. And Lord, maybe in the coming weeks, Lord, they would open your word, maybe for the first time ever during the week. Lord, however you need to work, whatever you need to say to people, I pray that we are obedient and responsive to you and to you alone. It's not my words, it's your words. So God, as we respond, we're responding to you and to you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone, please stand.